Hello, my name is Avika Silverman, and I will be having a conversation with Daphne Banks for the New York City Trans Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. It's March 17th, and it's being recorded in Queens. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And um, we were just talking about the forms, and you said you had a really long name. <laughs> yes. I was wondering if you could express the whole name oh and tell God. us about it okay thank you well <clears throat> i do have to say that it's i was born and raised christian so how i received it it's it's biblical so not every name is biblical but daphne is the first name evangeline eve mm. um daphne evangeline kiana that's my nickname on the streets <laughs> rahab which is also a biblical name, and then Banks. So. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so how do people, people, different kinds of people refer to you different kinds of ways? Um, it's either Daphne or Kiana, but yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, and you said you were raised Christian. Yeah. Can you tell me more about that? Um, I so both sides of my family, my mom and my dad, they grew up Christian. Um. Uh, my dad, um, I think both of my grandfathers were pastors, definitely on my dad's side. Um, on my mom's side, he was working on becoming a pastor before he passed away. So it was like, I've kind of been born with that going to church Wednesday, Sunday, even if that means not going out with your friends during the week, you know. Wow. But yeah. And how did that impact you as a child? Um... I didn't have any bad memories as a child. Um, I was feminine. <laughs> I was different than, you know, other beings that looked like me. Um, and that was it. I, I was just different. Um, a lot of people said that based upon, I guess, what I looked like on the outside instead of who I was on the inside. I should be doing this, so I shouldn't be doing that. What um, kinds of things did they want you to be doing? Um, <laughs> they wanted me to play basketball and sweat, and I wasn't going to do that. I wanted to play with the dolls. I wanted to dress and look pretty. I wanted to do hair. I wanted to cook. And those weren't necessarily attributes of, like, what boys were doing or what they were trained to do. But I, I stood out, definitely. Mm. Yeah. And can we place this? Where were you? Oh, this is in Buffalo, New York. Mm -hmm. Shout out to 716. <laughs> Sorry. What was Buffalo like? Buffalo, oh my goodness. So you're talking about weather or are you talking about like socially? Whatever you want to talk about. Wow. So in terms of weather, Buffalo has the, um, the association of being freezing cold because it's, I think it's close to Lake Erie or something. Um, so it was definitely cold. The winters were harsh. Um, <clears throat> socially, it was a bit of a racist town. Um, I really didn't experience racism like that, but I do remember having um, a racist incident happen during Halloween. So we were going out trick-or-treating and we knocked on this one door and this older lady, she was like, why aren't you in your own neighborhood? And we had, I 
we had been trick-or-treating there for like maybe one or two years like on that side of town it wasn't it wasn't too far from where i was living but you know they gave more candy they were nicer um and so we were out there and um i, re I remember a lady was saying no you should stay in your own stay in your own neighborhood and <clears throat> even then like as a child i i knew that it was like restrictive i knew that it was something that was hurtful but i never really reacted to it um also socially um like i said i was different so um i didn't really grow up with friends um because i was different um <laughs> i remember and it was interesting too because they say sometimes a child can like say things, even though it might be a little mean, there might be a little truth to it because not everybody else sees it. And, you know, I was in school one day and one of the girls was like, she was talking about our teacher at the time. She was like, why does she keep calling him a boy? That's not a boy, that's a girl. But it was just the way that she said it, you know? But I mean, I guess she knew what everybody else didn't know that I really didn't know how to articulate at that time. I just knew how to be and not necessarily, you know, be concerned about what the outside looked like. Um, but yeah, it was difficult um, in a sense of like not really bonding with other children and not being invited to like birthday parties and stuff like that. But you know, it all worked out for the good. So mm -hmm. I can't complain too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so what did you do as a kid if you weren't hanging with other kids? Um, video games. <laughs> I loved PlayStation, um, Crash Bandicoot. Um, what else? I was, I was a part of a drill team. So a drill team is like, it's similar to like a step team, more feminine. <laughs> it's more feminine than a step team, so I definitely stood out. I was good at it. Um, what else did I do when I was younger? Um, I did my schoolwork. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm hmm Yeah. Um, and what was your class background growing up? Class background? Um, I would say probably lower middle class. Yeah, we were definitely middle class, but we weren't middle class in a sense of like having everything that we needed and that we wanted. Just we had what we needed and just a little bit of what we wanted. Mm, yeah, that's a nice way of explaining that. Thank you. Um, and so people externally were telling you how you appeared. Were there ways that you connected to, I don't know, stuff in the culture that felt like you were connected that that was a way of like bonding with or seeing yourself. At I'm the time. so happy that you said that because it's it really for me it's about representation, and so when you get to know other people, and I'm sure that you know as as you start to talk to more people, <clears throat> when they talk about having a Christian background, um, it can be a little hurtful. For me, I was able to see my first trans like um representation in the church and that it made it easier for me growing older knowing that god still loves me that i still have a place that i deserve to you know exist just like everybody else um yeah there were like um one person attended my dad's church <laughs> 
And I believe um, she was more impactful than anything. Because um, I, my dad attended, um, in, in the black community, it's called Kojic Church of God in Christ. Um, and my mom attended Church of Christ. So the, the um, denominations are different in the sense of like, Kojic plays music. So it's more active with the clapping, people running around, catching the Holy Ghost, you know, all that. Um, but my mom's church was much more conservative. No music playing, no women preachers. <clears throat> it was very restrictive. Um, you couldn't clap. You could sing out loud, but you couldn't like really express like that. And um, I remember this beautiful trans woman. She had, um, I seen her before her transition and then after. So it was like I was able to see her grow through that process. Mm -hmm. And with her being so active and engaged in the church, that that helped me understand that even though people have negative and mean things to say, you're still a child of God. You're still important. Um, your life still matters. And you deserve to, you know, exist. Mm -hmm. And yeah. has your relationship to God changed since? It's gotten so much deeper. <laughs> It's gotten deeper, um, and by that, um, just being in dangerous situations, like I've, um, um, when I moved out to LA, I, I spent time in Miami as a college student, you know, protected environment. When I left Miami as a student and an employee, um, I moved to LA, and that was like the first time that I really um, experience what, what the other trans girls talk about, um, having their lives put in, in dangerous situations, um, with dangerous people, gangs, um, and, um, I, I didn't have my Bible at the time, and I remember, um, I was working at a job, <clears throat> and, I was like, let me get back connected to God. And as soon as I started reading my Bible and praying more, it's just like things started to happen for me in a positive way. Um, I was protected in certain situations that I believe had I not have gotten the message that you need to leave right now and this is what you need to do, um, I probably wouldn't be here. Mm. So it's, it's, it's definitely... Um, deepen my faith, increase my faith. And um, also, you know, since I moved to New York, um, they say that it's not, it's not pretty common that people can move to New York and get an apartment within three months. <laughs> and, you know, for me, I credit that to God because it was like, you know, I came, I didn't know anybody here. My cousin is here, um, but you know, that's a little family thing that we don't, you know, we, we don't really talk as much as we used to. So it was literally like I was in L.A. by myself with no friends, no family. And then it was like I couldn't stay in L.A. And I received from God that I needed to come back to New York State. So I'm, I'm originally from Buffalo. Don't go back to Buffalo, but try New York. And I didn't know anybody else here. And it was like, you know, when I came, my steps were ordered and things started to fall in place for me quicker you know, but faith had a lot to do with it. When you said you received a yeah. message, what does that look like? Receiving a message? Um, 
I mean, I can receive messages at different times, but it's just, for me, it's, it's a message from, uh, it's an internal message, but it's not a message that's generated from within, if that makes sense. It's a message that it's like, okay, you're here, and then all of a sudden it's a thought, but it's, it's a bit more deeper than a thought, like you can feel it. Um, sort of like intuition, your, your gut feeling. But um, if you're talking about L.A., is that what you're talking about? Um, oh, just generally, like, how one receives that transmission, like, what it, yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, it'll be a feeling that it'll come through your mind, but then it'll start to, like, wrap around your body. You can feel it internally, if it's good or bad, um, but yeah. Mm. And I was also wondering um, if there's certain stories or lessons that you turn to in the Bible when you need support. <sighs> um, <laughs> plenty. Um, one of my favorite stories is about Job, where he lost everything. And it was like, you know, he still had faith, despite losing his family, his riches, his children, um, it, pretty much everything, everything that he had. And it was like, it's, it's different now because it's like somewhat here and I guess like in, in a modern sense of living in the U.S. if you lose something there's always you know a place that you can go to some type of safe haven he didn't have that and his friends didn't come to see about him until later and it was like you know all that he had was God at the moment um there's a story of Job there's a story of Shadrach Meshach and Abednego um where they were thrown into the fiery furnace and, you know, it's the promise of God that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So he was in the midst of them. And, you know, the three, when the, the three of them were in the furnace, and then I guess some people looked into the furnace and they saw four people. It's like, where's this other person come from? Um, just just so many stories. I, I, can't, I can't say um, that one is more important because I, I think that, with like Genesis to Revelations, it's like every book has its own sense of like exploration and you may not have a Genesis experience just yet. You know what I mean? You you may have a a Samuel experience. Um and you know, not now now that I say that, Samson. Samson and Delilah. Delilah was a beautiful woman. <laughs> and um I was I was thinking, um, but you know, um, I'm no longer on the dating apps anymore. But I was thinking, I was like, I should call myself the loyal Delilah because I'm beautiful and I'm loyal. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's just so many different stories that are that are applicable at different times. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And why aren't you on the apps? Um. Ooh, wow. Um. Honest answer, I was recently attacked. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, um, thank you. But I was recently attacked by, and I, I didn't meet him on an app, but it was just, it struck my sense of security. And I'm, I'm 35, and that's the thing too, like with trans girls have different experiences at different ages. 
and they can be attacked at you know younger ages. I never would have thought that it would have happened to me, but this was someone that I was dating, not necessarily in a relationship with, and he attacked me, and it was it was really unprovoked, um, you know. We had exchanged words, but never had he ever gave an inkling that he would ever attack me. And he choked me. And it was, I mean, that's why I'm coughing now and mm. whatever else. But yeah, that happened Sunday. Mm. Yeah, so um, I'm sorry, I don't want to deviate from, from your no, question. No, it's whatever you want to talk mm -hmm. about. It. I'm so, so sorry. Thank you. But yeah, that was my first time ever, I guess, experiencing violence in that sense. Um, Although I like to say I, I like to talk a lot of stuff, but I'm not a fighter. I haven't been in a fight since like third or fourth grade. So it's like, you know, and I'm pretty, so pretty girls don't like to fight. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it caught me off guard. And then it was just, when it happened, I was like, okay, so this is what it feels like. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Well, um, I think I'm getting a sense of all the places you're living, because you mentioned a few, so I just mm -hmm. want to kind of put it on the map. Okay. So you were in Buffalo, mm -hmm. and then you left for college. Well, so, or, yeah, thank you. Set, set the record. <laughs> um, so we were living in Buffalo, New York. Um, my sister got a job with Bank of America in Tampa, Florida, so my mom wanted us to stay together. Um, it's always been me, my mom, and my sister, so... When my sister got the job and moved, my mother was like, we're coming too. So I moved, and this is a, a triumphant story. I, wow, powerful story. When I talked about, you know, you asked me what I did when I was a child and I did my schoolwork, I was really good at math. I tutored people in math for free. I didn't get paid for it. I didn't know any better. But this was my freshman year of high school, and I loved math. I loved schoolwork. And we moved to Tampa, Florida, and I attended Chamberlain High School in Tampa, Florida. Go Chiefs! Um, but um, they were mean. <laughs> they were really mean. I think in New York, you can kind of have popularity in high school based upon how good you can dress. So I always made sure that I dressed good. Um, but in Florida, it's much more about like relationship-wise, like who you know or who you grew up with. And of course, I was different. And so um, I didn't have a good, a good time in high school. And my mom had found, oh my goodness, my mom had found a love note before we moved um, for my boyfriend. And it was just like, he wrote like two pages front and back. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. So she found the letter in my underwear drawer. <laughs> and um, things changed because it was different. You know, I had the feminine mannerism, so you could kind of assume, but to read that, okay, your child is um, in a relationship with a man. And on the outside, I, you know, I look like um, 
But, yeah, so, we, me, the relationship between me and my mother, it has come a long way, we're speaking, um, but it was, it was really hurtful in the beginning. She would call me freak, um, she would say I, I was abnormal, um, she took me to speak to the minister of the church and all of that, and, um, you know, even, even with having those conversations, you know, I knew what it was for me. So I'm not going to tell, I'm, I'm not going to let somebody tell me, you know, who I'm supposed to like or, or whatever. I, I know what feels right for me. And so when we moved to Florida, it was like I lost my whole support system. I lost my family. Um, we didn't talk as much. I didn't have friends in Florida. So just a complete restart with nobody. And um, I completed one year of high school. So I completed freshman year in Buffalo. I completed sophomore year in Florida, in Tampa. I dropped out 11th grade, that close to the finish line. But the reason that I dropped out was because I was trans um, and they weren't, they weren't supportive, they weren't nice. Like I was, I was wearing, you know, lipstick, lip gloss, lip liner. Um, I would get my nails done, I got my eyebrows done, I would wear, you know, bell-bottom jeans, all that. But I was being myself, and the environment, um, you know, when you go, when you're at home, and it's not a good environment, and when you're at school, and it's not a good environment, where do you have peace, you know, mm -hmm. where, where do you get that from, and mm -hmm. so, um, I moved out of my mom's house and I stopped going to high school. And I guess essentially you could call me a high school dropout back then. And um, but I I always had a thirst for knowledge. You know I loved to read. Um, at the time I wanted to um, I guess get involved in in the medical field. So I'm like I have to get a high school diploma. But I couldn't stand going to high school and being made fun of. So. I took a GED program, finished that and passed that. And, you know, by the grace of God, I was able to save myself from that. But that's not the case for everybody. And, um, but yeah, that was part of my part of my high school growing up. So this is in Tampa. Um, then I moved to Miami in 2013. So that's a bit of a gap, but just to let you know mm -hmm. where I've been. Um, I moved to Miami, Florida to attend Florida International University um, in August of 2013. And I've been there since, well, up until um, maybe December of 2021. Yeah, so I was able to get a job with the school, um, attend college, get a bachelor's, work on a master's degree, and have the school pay for it, <laughs> which is great. But yeah, um, they, it was Florida. It was Florida, essentially. So it's like, you know, I, I, I could sum up all of what that experience is by just saying, it's Florida. And, you know, I, I experienced bad things and I couldn't take it. And I was like, you know what, I deserve better. I'm pretty, I can make a way for myself. So I was like, you know stretch forth my hands and leave. And after leaving Miami, I went to LA. That was like, 
Because mm. I spent some time in, like, D.C. <laughs> but, Lord Jesus, I don't even want to talk about that. It wasn't anything bad. <laughs> but, okay, fine. I spent time in D.C. from, like, maybe January of 2021. No, 2022. Up until maybe March. And then in March, that's when I moved to L.A. And in L.A., you would think so. L.A., L.A. is so cool. L.A. is so laid back. Um, I never really had, I never had any type of social bad interactions in L.A. like that. Um, meaning that I haven't, I wasn't misgendered. It was like I was treated so nicely. It was like, oh my God, really? You're being this nice to me? Um, but employment-wise, no. It was it wasn't a good situation. Um, I worked with other members of the LGBTQ community, um, but it wasn't a good situation. Um, and that's the thing too. I, I I wanted to touch on that too. Like, it's not necessarily a community. <clears throat> it's just it it appears that every every group is by itself, but there's no unity. So because there's no unity, I can't necessarily call it a community. Um, and when you, know, you say every group, is mm -hmm. it divided between what intersections? Mm -hmm. So by that I mean like gays, gays like having their own identification, bisexuals having their own identification, lesbians having their own identification, transgenders having their own identification, and then um, the non-binary having their own identification and the questioning having their own identification. And from what I've experienced, not too often does one group kind of stand up for the other or mm -hmm. kind of support the other. Um, but that's just my experience. But... Um, like, where did you socialize in LA? Where did I socialize? Um... I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I was on, everybody knows Grinder. I was on Grindr. Um, so most of my socialization came from that. Um, I was still pretty, but I met a lot of people in person. Like when I would go to, I would go to the mall a lot to pick up makeup products. Um, beautiful malls. But I went to the library a few times, but mostly it would just be, you know, either the apps or if somebody sees you in person and they say hi and, you know, it grows from there. Um, and then from L.A., I came here to New York. I came in, like, late July, which is practically, like, August. I think August was, like, the next day. But, yeah, since then I've been here in New York City and I love it. I like it. Tell me about the Bronx. Oh my God, um, the Bronx. The Bronx was the first borough that I lived in. Um, I've had good and bad experiences, but with the bad, you know, that brings me back to my faith. God will never leave me nor forsake me and he protected me in those moments. Um, but the Bronx, um, <laughs> it's so active 
it's it's diverse in a sense of like you can see like black people you can see spanish people you can see like white people you can see um 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 maybe people from iraq or you know but it's 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 a melting pot really um and usually people are nice Usually you'll find people cursing each other out on the, on the middle of the street, <laughs> which is so hilarious to like walk by and see. Um, the only difficult borough that I've been in, because, oh my goodness, living in the shelter system. So when I came to New York, it was going to the shelter system. I didn't have any type of plan. Um, no, no type of like resources here other than... The, the homeless shelter system. And so first I was in the Bronx, then it was Manhattan, then it was Brooklyn, and then glory be to God, I was able to get an apartment. Mm -hmm. And then that was back in, back in the Bronx. Um, so out of those three boroughs, and this is my first time in Queens. <laughs> so Queens them. is cute, I like it. Queens for a queen. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, the only difficult borough that I've experienced, I'd say, would be Brooklyn, um, which is the last place that I moved before I got my apartment. Um, and that really let me know, like, Dorothy, you're not in Kansas anymore. But for me, it's like, Daphne, you're not in L.A. anymore. Because in L.A., they were really respectful like just being on the street and like if you go into a store or whatever they acknowledge you as you are and who you want to be mm. but in new york um when i was in brooklyn i went to a grocery store and um i had on lipstick no facial hair whatsoever i had my nails freshly done and looking how i feel looking how i look looking how i am and the security guard kept referring to me as a man. And it was so insulting. But for me, because I, I have more of a professional background, so I know I'm not going to argue with you in person. I'm going to come for your job. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, let your supervisor know, you know, by sending letters or calling into to a 1-800 number or whatever. But I... I was amazed at how deep the the hatred and the dislike was to just disrespect mm -hmm. me like that in person. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I went back to the store and I spoke with the manager and he's not there anymore. Wow. So I was told that, you know, he was either transferred to another store or whatever. But the, the more important thing was that, you know, he wasn't where I was shopping which meant that other trans women, whenever they go to that store, they won't have to deal with that issue. But yeah. And what was it, um, how did it, yeah, what were some of your experiences living in the shelter system? Was that your first time? Yeah, it was my first time. Um, and you know, most of my, I'm gonna say most of my real adult experience has been like on a college campus, you know? So if you live on a college campus, it's safe. Mm. Um, but when I left the safety of the college campus and was exposed to the real world, um, it wasn't too kind. 
the shelter system, um, there's a lot of drug use. Um, I haven't experienced rape, but yeah, it was just, you know, just being surrounded by like people that are doing different things and I've, I've never been around that type of, um, environment before. So right. it was different in that sense. Wow. And how did you get your apartment? Um, so how I got my first, so first of all, <laughs> God gave me my apartment. Um, I, I have to give all credit to where it's due, but, um, you know, with the shelter system here, you know, they have something that's called like a psychosocial type of evaluation. Um, and so when you're, when you're living in a shelter, of course you have like a caseworker or a case manager and, you know, they're passing along different information to you about what apartment is open or maybe sharing real estate um, agent information. And really, it was staying on top of them. Um, and then also, you know, reaching out to like other organizations. Um, the New York Public Library has really been very helpful. They actually have um, a, a social work intern. Um, I think the, the lady that was assisting me before, her name was Katie. So shout out to Katie. Thank you so much for your assistance. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's reaching out to different organizations and if, if they have those type of resources, letting them know what you need. And once you plant that seed of, you know, this is what I need, have faith that you're going to get it. And I remember, it's, it's, it's so interesting because, wow, I had, um, when I was living in Manhattan, we had toured one like housing complex and I didn't like it. I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm not doing that. But I was like, I just wanted to get out of, out of the shelter system. And I think that's another thing too that like, um, from what I hear, if you get an apartment that's extended to you, whether it be a studio or a one bedroom, if it's just you, you need to take it. Because from what I hear is that, you know, people are wanting to, you know, be expectant of getting a two bedroom and this and that. This is just something to get you through. You know and what I mean? if you can live alone. Yes, if you can live, hey, no, no roommates. You know, the mess that you make is the mess that you make, <laughs> you know, but it's the mess that you have to clean up instead of, being frustrated that I love, oh my God, I live with somebody else and, you know, it's dishes in the sink, whatever, whatever, whatever. But, you know, taking what it is that, that's being offered, if it's in a safe area and if it's nice, you know, but you, how they say beggars can't be choosers, you know what I mean? If, if you're in a shelter system like that, if you're not working a job, you don't have, you know, the access to say, no, this is what I want or this is what I demand. Baby, as long as it's safe, <laughs> if you can get clean water, if you can get heat, if you can get electricity, that then, then run mm -hmm. with it. But um, the first place that we toured, it wasn't in a, in a too safe of an area. The guys were cute. <laughs> but I was like, what, I, what neighborhood was it? this was, I don't even remember where it was. Um, I think maybe it might be in like a different part of the Bronx. I'm not too sure. I'm not honestly. I'm not too sure because I I wasn't I wasn't focused on it like that. Um, but when I saw it in person, it was very 
it was older looking, but I was like, yeah. But okay, I'll also say that too. The reason that I didn't, or I couldn't take that apartment was because when I was in the Bronx, so I told you about how the Bronx has been a little mean to me, my apartment was robbed. And um, they took my ID, they took my social security card. Um, they went through different documents that I had with, um, with the state of California. And it was crazy, they changed my PIN number for my, for my food stamp card, all of that. And so it was like, when, when I first saw that apartment, yeah, I didn't like it because I didn't like the area. But I couldn't, I couldn't get it because the documents that they were requesting, I didn't have my, my physical ID. I didn't have my physical social security number, well, my, my social security card. So that complicated it even more on top of me not liking it. But where I am now, you know, um, um, they were able to like really work with my case manager because when you get signed up initially, they already have these documents. I, I didn't know that they still had access to those documents and that they were able to share them or whatever. So that, that really helps me um, in terms of getting this department. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what a journey. Yeah, it's been a journey. Yeah, it has, but it's, it's been good and God has been good to me. Mm. Um, and how are you supporting yourself? Oh my goodness. So right now, how I'm supporting myself, um, I guess with public assistance, um, the food stamps, the cash aid, it's different. It's, it's definitely a humbling experience because when I was working a regular job, like at the university, every paycheck I got clothes, every paycheck I got shoes, you know? So it's, it's different to like, you know, go from having financial access to just living off of the bare minimum, but you make it work. And that's also scripture. Um, um, it, it talks about, you know, I've, I've been, um, I've been hungry and I've, I've been fed, you know, I've had money and I've had without, but I've, I've learned how to be content. So in the waiting period of what I plan on doing next, you know, just waiting and being content. Um, so yeah, that's mm -hmm. how I'm taking care of myself. Okay. Nothing illegal. Nothing. Yeah. Um, and so you say some, you're waiting on something to come next. What is it? Um, so I truly believe that I have the spirit of an entrepreneur. And so now it's just focusing, like laser focusing on the ideas that I want to bring forth for myself. Um, and then I've, I've also noted, you know, if I am interested in getting a job again, I really don't want to pursue anything that's more than part-time because one, outside of how they treat you in the workspace, but you know what I mean? You, you still have to have your own vision, your own goals. Um, what what pushes you, you know what I mean? You you have to have something that you want to do for yourself, not to want to work and be a slave for, you know, a corporation that doesn't give a damn about you. Mm -hmm. So, yes, yeah, so 
Um, should I talk about one of my adventures? I would love it. Oh my god, okay. <laughs> um, so, one of my adventures is I'm looking to become a personal chef. I love to cook. Um, that's all that I can say right now about like that part, but definitely, because I've been looking at, and you know, New York State, um, medical marijuana is big here. And so there's also treatment methods that you could, you know, infuse your food mm -hmm. with medical marijuana. So that's another, you know, extension that I could probably will, you know, drift off into. Mm -hmm. But that's one. Modeling is the other. But yeah, it's, it's just, you know, really taking the time to before shooting an arrow making sure that the timing is right, making sure that you have all your resources in place, that you're contacting different agencies that help you open a business or start a business or start a business plan. And then they talk to you about different funding options. So I, I have zero interest of dedicating myself to somebody else or to another organization um, when I know that I could go much further and much higher um, with my own. Yeah. And what are some things you love to cook? Oh my God. I love to cook. Um, I love pasta. I love soul food. I mean, everybody loves soul food. Um, yeah, I, mostly I would say soul food. But it's, it's good that you mention that too. Because that is really a big thing um, um, with cooking. So I'm... I'm actively um, revising what I eat, and I'm doing that for a reason, mostly because of health reasons. Um, my mother and my father, you know, they've experienced weight challenges. Oh my goodness, if I, if I dare say this, my father has to have his colon removed. And so, I knew, you know, way, way back when I was a child, you know, I knew that he was eating unhealthy. Um, but it's like, it's different to know that you're eating unhealthy and know that you need to eat better and you don't. And so it's like, you know, I've, I've, I've seen it throughout my family and, you know, throughout different friends and their family members and whatever. It's like... You, you really have to take control of like what you're eating. And so, you know, what's been working out for me is like, so I used to love making cakes um, with a lot of butter, with a lot of sugar. But then it's taking away that and eating like strawberries with like sour cream or eating raspberries and sour cream or blueberries and sour cream. So it's like... It's basically making that that transition or that, that substitution of, yeah, I could have this, but I know it's so fatty and, you know, it's not going to break down in my system correctly. So let me try this, mm -hmm. you know, but mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and thinking about, okay, so. <laughs> I'm sorry, I through a lot. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's helpful. We need to know you know where you're at and so you've landed here and you're here for you feel committed to 
trying out in Europe for a long time. Yeah, and it's it's so interesting because I was saying I was having a conversation with my mom, and I'm I'm not I'm not a person I'm not a nomad. I'm not a person that likes to move around. I like to stay put mm -hmm. in one place and grow. Mm -hmm. And New York City, it's the spirit of New York City. It's 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 what New York City is. Like if you look at the Statue of Liberty, right? Um, and even for people that don't even live in this country and, and how they view New York as the land of opportunity, it is the land of opportunity. And, and Jay-Z says, you know, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And I'm like, you know, I'm making it here. But it's, it's such a, a feel of like an entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. And then to like really study like different different businesses that started here, and you know I mean Donald Trump started here, <laughs> so you know what I mean. It's like well if it was maybe it was Jersey, but you know New York. Um, right. So it's it's something very special here. It's the land of promise. Right. So there's there's opportunity here. And have you connected to other communities here or scenes? Like who are you in the mix with? Um, with other communities, no. Really, what I've done, I've tried to really stay grounded, like, with myself. So, um, going to church. Um, I do attend church in That's Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I worship, you know, in person sometimes. Most of the time I, I worship online. But, NYPL. Um... That's pretty much it. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, to be honest with you, church and the New York Public Library. That's, that's it. Oh, and, you know, um, I am interested in going back to school to finish my, my graduate degree. Um, even though, I, I think for me, just to do it because I started it, you know what I mean? It, it, it sucks to have to start something and you don't finish it. Right. Um, so the same program is offered here. Um, What's the program? Um, higher education administration. Okay. Um, so the same program that I was in at FIU, it's here. Um, it's not on my list of priorities because I'm my priority now. It's my time. But before I die, Lord's willing, I can finish that degree mm. just to complete what I started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what has been your relationship to hormones or any sort of HRT mm -hmm. in New York? How's that been? Um, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> wow. Um, you got to be careful where you go. And because I've dealt with some providers that really didn't necessarily have my best interest at heart. Um... So, that's what I would say. And what do you mean by that? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to call... Should I call them out by name? Um, if you feel comfortable, you don't have to. It's not our I... If you're... If you have a doctor that is limiting your potential... Um, now, for me, you know, I've already had feminine features or whatever, so it's not, you know. But I've experienced care here that they've been, they, they, 
I was going there for a series of months. So I'm going there, you're taking my blood, you're giving me medication or whatever. So why biologically, like in within my, my bloodstream, why my levels are still male levels and not female levels, which is where I'm transitioning. It, it wasn't okay for me. So um, I would definitely say I love the hormones. Now that I am where I am now, perfect. Perfect team. Absolutely. No complaints at all. But you, you really have to be careful because not a lot of providers may be happy for you. Um, you know what I mean? That's just... Yeah. I mean, even though they're working in the field and they say, you know... But th that's the thing, too. The organization itself may have the value and the vision of, you know, we want to be a safe space, we want to be trans-inclusive, all of that. But your provider may not be. Right. They may not necessarily share that same vision. And so, you know, for one of my providers here at one of the places that I went to, like, they were giving me, like, 0.5 in estrogen. Maybe it was 0 0.05. It was something like that. But it was like this small-ass little pill. And meanwhile, I'm still growing facial hair. I'm still doing this. I'm still doing that. But when I went to where I am now, all of that changed. Mm, I'm happy you moved. Thank you. I am too. It was a blessing. But, yeah. So it's just really... Um, but, you know, it, it, a part of that may come with some sense of, like, accountability too. Because it's like... You are going through this change and you see yourself in the mirror every day. You, you, you carry you everywhere that you go. So if with the accountability piece, don't just go to get your blood drawn and then your doctor just tells you something. Ask to see those records. Mm. Like, as I mentioned before, like when I first, when I, you know, was a high school dropout and then I went back into school. I wanted to pursue medicine. So I know things to look for in the blood. So what exactly am, am I looking for? And if you start to see, okay, one month I've been here, there hasn't really been much of like a an improvement from one month to the other, whatever, what have you. You start to measure your progress and you start to take ownership of it instead of just entrusting it in the hands of someone else who may or may not have your best interests at heart. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a minefield, yeah. Yeah, it is. Mm -mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was wondering what people in your life have been most important. Or things or scriptures or whatever's felt the guide. <sighs> people, I'd say, so definitely that one trans woman from church. It's, it's two of them, actually. One was in Buffalo, New York. Um, I'm not even sure if she's still living now. Um, but this was in Buffalo, New York. Should I say the name of the church? If you want to. Greater Emmanuel Temple in Buffalo, New York. Um, years have passed, so she, she may not even be there anymore. Um, secondly, when I was in Tampa, Florida, um, it was a church there that had a trans woman that was really impactful for me and to me. God bless her. 
Um, the third, um, I would say, oops, probably hopping around a little bit. Um, when I was young and when I lived in Buffalo and I talked about being on a drill team, there was this trans woman who started her own drill team and she was good, she was beautiful, she was sexy, she was everything. Um, her name was Ja and um, wherever you are, Ja, I hope that God is taking care of you and that all is well. Um, oh my goodness, who else? Um, I went to church in Miami, Florida, and there was a trans woman there. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know what I mean? It's like in, in spaces where people try to shut you out, mm -hmm. I think God will have like a representation of just to say, you know what I mean? This is, she may not be your example, but she's there too. So it should let you know that you're okay, that you're loved, you're in a safe space. And you know, um, her name was Adriana in Miami. And um, I would say Bishop T.D. Jakes. Um, I've been following his ministry for a while, several years. Um, um, who else? This scripture, um, you know, I think everybody has, has their own area of uniqueness. And I think being trans, you're already unique in that sense. You know, you're different and your difference is your influence. Like, so you, you have to find some way to, to grow within it and expand within it and to shine within it. So speaking about shining, Jesus in Matthew says, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And so, you know, um, being your best and letting people see you at your best, doing good things. Um, that's what kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. I rely on. That's a good one. Thank you. I was wondering how you see yourself in this like moment of trans visibility where there's so much more trans representation in the media. <laughs> um... I don't see myself, and that's why I think that it's probably meant for me to do what I want to do. So one of my second, um, I guess, ventures would be in modeling, because I don't see people. It, it, it's crazy now because society has gotten so critiquing and so negative and so bad, and to like there's really no good role models out there, I, I would say. Because when you start to look at television or when you're on Instagram or when you're on Facebook, you can find more stories about drama, about fights and confusion and chaos. And it's like and being shady and being... We're not... If, if, if God tells us not to judge one another, period. Um, that, I really think, should take away the whole, like, shade movement because it's like, if you're not, once again, if you're not getting love from your home or whatever, the person that you could be, quote-unquote, reading or throwing shade at, you know what I mean? So there, there's really no building up of, like, character, no building up of, like, 
of like personality and who who you could be. Um, so I I don't see any good trans role model, or I haven't seen any. Mm-hmm. So I I'm not gonna say that they're not out there. I just haven't seen them. And so um, I I think that there should be more. Uh, representation of trans girls that have gone to college, that have went to college, that have finished, that have either started their own businesses and um, are soaring within those businesses. Um, maybe ones that are involved in the church, um, doing doing positive things and not being like catty, like bad girls club and stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's it's. It's terrible. Like there's there's so much negativity in the world, and that's why I have to come back to you know what Jesus says in Matthew: Let your light shine, you know. So then mm-hmm. see your your good works, not your messy works, not your shady works. You know what I mean? Because that's what's ultimately going to make a difference in in the life of you know something. So for instance, Zaya. I, and hopefully I'm, I'm pronouncing her name right, Zaya Wade, um, Dwayne Wade's child. She seems to be a good example for our trans youth. Um, she's gotten involved in modeling, very beautiful girl, um, head, 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 you know, held up, headstrong. Um, so she is, is, is a good example, but yeah. Mm. I love that. Being positive, yeah. yeah. Um, so do you, social media or how, what's your relationship to it? I have a love-hate relationship with social media. Um, right now I am on, do you want my social media? We'll write it down. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm active on social media and I follow a lot of influential people, um, notable people. Um, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess because we're wrapping up soon. Okay. <laughs> oh no, we can keep it going though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to know what other things you would want to add to the record that feel important to kind of leave in this space. Wow. With you saying that, that's just like sparks tears. Um, find out what, what I would say to young trans girls are to have that time to silence the noise around you because you're not what other people say that you are. You are what God says that you are. You are who you want to be. Um, You're not a freak. You're not abnormal. You're a beautiful expression and you have to find the best way of expressing that. Um, I want you to go to school because <laughs> um, I believe that going to school, it, it, it opens up your mind. And um, that's also another scripture to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, you know, it, it starts in the mind first and then, then the body follows. So I pray that, you know, they have the time to get by themselves and think by themselves and find God and find out what it is that you're meant to do here. 
Mm-mm-mm. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.